How did you end up becoming a Royal Marine Commando? My nickname throughout the Marines was Mumbles. I was more worried about having to speak down the radio than yeah. I was going to Afghan, you yeah. know, seriously, because you're trained for it. Herrick 14 to Afghanistan, deployed to the Nadiali Green Zone in Helmand. Taliban bloke there, armed guards around him, looks up to the ceiling, blood. I've got blood on my face, blood on my neck, blood on my arm. I thought, I'm gonna die. The point man of our patrol said someone's poked their head out. He was gonna follow him up. And what we get told is don't do that because they poke the head out, expecting you to follow them up and then lay a tripwire, you run in, boom. He went to follow him and then... Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 80 million views. Dave Coleman is an ex-Royal Marine that toured Afghanistan. At the age of 18, his deployment exposed him to the harsh realities of war and he even came face to face with the Taliban. This is the eventful life of Mr. Dave Coleman. Dave, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks very much, Dodge. How are you? Very good, mate. Very good. good. Thanks for um, having me on. Nice one, mate. Nice one for coming all the way down from where you are, north of Manchester. Uh, just south of, of Manchester, Cheshire. It's like okay. a, a Nutsford way, sort Lovely. of like country. Lovely. Around there, yeah. Let's roll all the way back, Dave. Where did you grow up and how did you end up becoming a Royal Marine Commando? So I grew up in Timperley and, and Altrincham, which is around the same area. Um, between my mum and dad, they were never together that I, I can remember. Maybe like split up when I was really young and bounced between both houses. Um, always liked the outdoors. My dad's had me up hills, up Scarfell when I was like seven, dragging me around and all that type stuff. And always liked that. Um, played rugby from a young age. Well, I started off playing football when I was around seven. And the coach, you know, pulled my dad in and said, you know, I probably wouldn't bring him back. He's crap. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was my football career yeah. over like straight down the rugby club, hitting people, Perfect. tackling people, like knee deep snow away at Chester, yeah. proper good game. And yeah. uh, after that, that was it. Sort of rugby stuck. Yeah, mate. And that was it. Uh, the sort of contact, the team game, you know, as a, a, as you all know, it's a good sport to be around yeah, the social aspect. Yeah, like social right. aspect's one of the best parts, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the best bit. That's a bit. That's... What was what was your route then to actually get into the Royal Marines? How old were you when you? So I went to the careers office to register my interest at like the youngest age I could. It's like fifteen and nine months or something like that, and you can go and speak about it, ask about it, sign that that you're keen. Uh, and I started training when I was sixteen, um, back in two thousand and nine. Uh, so started then of our troop I think there was around 60 something of us and I think around 11 12 of us finished is so, that right so yeah. 60 went in and only 11 passed yeah yeah wow. I, I, I mean you you pick people up along the way that have been back troop from other troops who've been injured but of the original group there was only around about that of us that finished and being honest it sounds like oh the the top 12 must have finished, right? They must have been the yeah. absolute yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. I was not, like, yeah. at all. And if you'd have asked anyone, and I'm I'm really honest about this, if you'd have asked anyone, probably up until the final week, would he make it through first time? I don't think anyone would have said yeah. Is that right? I, 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 I really don't think so. Um, I was really young, you know, I wasn't near the top. But I think I just, just grafted and just didn't give up. You know, mm. like, I went down there in my mind with, you probably won't pass, 
but don't quit. So if someone pulls you off and says, that's it, then fine. And I can live with that. And it never came. Well, wow. they, it, it almost came on the final test they tried. I was like, no, no, leave me to it, leave me to it. And managed to finish. So, you know, passed. It was hard. and Was it hard? It was horrendous, yeah. Was it? <laughs> it was absolutely disgusting. How long, how long did, did you know what you were letting yourself in for when you joined? I did, yeah. You did, okay. So me and two other friends from home, uh, we were in in the Marine Cadets together, being like 13, 14, a, a little bit geeky, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it was, it was class and it, it sort of sets you up for it. And from there, you watch all the shows about it, all, all, all the TV shows and us three were proper stuck into it. Yeah. You know, uh, some people would watch the in-betweeners on a Friday night with their suites and yeah. whatever. We'd watch Platoon and, you know, all them type films and we loved it, you yeah. know. And I'd watched all of the Royal Marines like TV shows about 10 times over. So when we got down there, I was like, oh, that's... That's the gym. That's the oh, quality. Uh, 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 the bottom field. I saw it all, and you know it was. I'd wanted to be there. I sort of pictured it in my mind for so long, and then it happened, and mm. you sort of down there, yeah. And what was it? So, what was the actual from the moment you joined to the moment of passing? What did you have to do to pass? So you do a few pre-entry tests before you go to Limston, like um, a one-day test, a, th- a three-day test down Limston. And where's Limston in the country? Um, between Exeter and Exmouth. Okay. So it's that sort of way. Yeah. It has its own train station, uh, Limston Commando, and that's for Damn. the actual base. Is that yeah, right? so yeah, yeah. Quality. And it says you are uh, you are not allowed to alight here unless you have specific business with uh, 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 with the camp yeah. or something like that. Um, so you get the train down there and 32 weeks training. From the very start, it's sort of everyone gets their head shaved in a big in a big sixty man room, you know, and you're taken down to the showers. Blokes naked. This is how you shower. This is how you wash your bits. This is what you do. Pull the is condom it? out. This is what happened last night. And you're just like, oh my god, oh my god. But being being a uh, a uh, rugby player, you know, I've seen a bit of that before. Yeah, I've showered with like blokes yeah, yeah, and yeah. all that, and it didn't really bother me. But yeah. you saw some blokes. What's going on here? Like this is. This is thinking, but yeah. you, you get used to it quick and everyone's running around, and you, you, you know, it sort of grows you up quickly mm. and you've got so many, so many bigger problems to worry about than, yeah. than that right there, yeah. you know, inspections, kit being ready, um, you know, you're not really bothered about it by the end, mm. no. So, so how long was it from start to finish to be passed? 32 weeks. 32 weeks. Yeah. And that 32 weeks, explain to the listeners here what happened in that 32 weeks. So you... Constantly being thrashed, doing fizz, doing like camp circuits, running around camp with logs, mats, um, going on, on on exercises from like one day to five day to seven day long uh, when you're out, basically being a soldier on exercise, uh, doing all of your like soldiering skills, but just getting smashed with fitness constantly, hard, grueling, like military fitness, not like the gym doing five sets of, yeah. of like 10 bench press. I mean, like... On the bottom field, crawling, getting muddy, firemen's carrying, dragging people, cold, wet, all of that stuff. Um, and it's just, it's so hard because it's relentless. Yeah. You know, it's not like, obviously, you start to get weekends off as as the training goes on and, and, and things like that. But you hear that some people have attempted the four commando tests and they've passed them, right? Mm. And... <laughs> They are awful tests, but what you haven't done is 32 weeks of solid training coming up to that moment. So your your body's knackered. You've got 
rash and burns and chaffage all over. The, everything hurts. Yeah. You're just broken by yeah. this point, you know. And then you've got a nine-mile speed march to do, a, an endurance course going in in the underwater tunnels, like running back, shooting, Tarzan assault course, and a 30-mile run in eight hours over Dartmoor with your kit Bloody as hell. a troop and everything like that. So, yeah, they save the best to last. It's stinking. When you, when you joined... Do they pay you to be there? Yeah. As soon as you join, you're getting paid. Yes. Do you remember how much you got paid? I do, actually. Yeah. Um, they give you an advance. I don't know whether they they still do this now, but they had a Barclays Bank on on camp. Okay. And they basically go, you're all going to sign up to us. It's easy because then you don't have to leave camp for any banking problems. Yeah. Give you 200 quid as a until your first paid. I couldn't believe it, 200 quid. I was like, get me to Exeter. You know, like, I'm a millionaire. Get me on the piss. Yeah, 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 get me on the piss. Um, yeah, yeah, 200 quid. Yeah. And then I, I think you start on like 12 or something, or, or, or something grand. You, we're being paid about 700 quid a month. Okay. And I couldn't believe it. I felt like a millionaire. Really? I was like, look at all, wow. all this money, you know, going from being 16 yeah. to that. Straight down to Exeter. Nando's, HMV, All Saints, skin, and then just drag the month out un- un- until payday and, and just do it again. You know, <laughs> just proper. Don't know what to do with your money. Um, and yeah, it was. And when you and when you passed, do they up your money? Yeah. So your your money ups at a certain phase in training. I think it's as you go into the the uh, latter end. Um, but then once you've passed, I think you're on around the sort of. I'd. I would be guessing it's around the 20k mark yep. and then as you've done a few more years you build up a little bit more um but you're probably a, a, around the 2024 some, something like that yeah. someone will no doubt fact check me on that yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's something like that and the moment you passed is it you on stage and people give you a beret and everyone's celebrating or is it quite a lot there's, there's your beret off you go get cracking <laughs> yeah no it is quite a nice day they yeah. call it the uh uh a King Squad pass out, and essentially all all of your family come down to watch, and you do like a bit of a drill display at like a march. Everyone gets their uh, uh, green lids. They like read out about you because in the Marines you have to earn your green beret. You've yeah. you don't get given it at the start of training. Yeah. You get a blue one, and you only get it once you've finished your thirty miler. Mm. So you actually have to earn it, and it's like the hardest earned beret. You know. You know <laughs> You know, and everyone makes a big song and a dance over mm. it because it's special. It's like you can't buy it; mm. you've got to earn it. So it holds a lot more worth mm. than something you can buy from mm. the shops, I suppose. Fair, fair play. I, I've taken you got stammer, stammer. I have, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why you'll probably notice. No, yeah, just picking, just pick up now. Fair play to you, mate. So, how's that been? How's that been having a stammer from a kid? What age did you realise you had a stammer? Uh, so, believe it or not, I was really good at reading. Yeah. <laughs> I was like really good. I was like seven or something like that. I was reading books in the year ahead or yeah. like, whatever. And I got asked to read something out in an assembly in school. I mean, like Peter Rabbit, whatever it was, yeah. right? And I've stood up and I've gone, yeah. and just everyone's laughing. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what's happening? Yeah. And then after that, it just went horrendous. It got really? worse and worse and worse of the fear of speaking. Yeah. Like, I like to talk quite a bit, but imagine being scared to talk. So imagine if you were scared of spiders, right? How often do you see a spider? Uh, once a week. Right. How often do you talk? A, a day. It's all the time, yeah. Always. Yeah. I've always been scared yeah. to say something. Oh, you, 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 you've always been scared to say 100%, something. 100%. Is yeah, that right? But that's my point a minute ago, and that's what I just said to you. Fair play to you for coming on here. Uh, yeah. With a stammer. Yes. I didn't even know that. So my nickname 
throughout the Marines was Mumbles. Yeah. Some of my best mates didn't actually know my name. <laughs> it was just always been Mumbles. Um, but yeah, when I was younger, it, it was really bad. Was, how about, like, how old are you today? 31. 31. So if you were 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, up to the age of 16 at school, how bad was it? For an uh, example, like, would you... In the register at school. Yeah. So they're reading everyone's second name. Yeah. Mine begins with a C. So yeah. they've, they've started A, A, and I'm sat like that. Sweating, oh, my. chest tight, because I know 30 kids are going to be looking at me, trying to say yes, miss, and I'm for ages trying to say it. Eventually, just like hand up, and they're like, oh, yeah, sweet. Wow. But it creates an anxiety. It creates a fear of, just a fear of talking, yeah. and a fear of doing something wrong, because you think everyone's going to laugh at you, you know, which, as kids, everyone does. Yeah. When I started, well, when I, <laughs> I was in primary school still, and, and, and this kid was picking on me for yeah. it. Um, you know, when everyone's playing football. How old was primary school? I was 10, 10 okay. and he was in secondary school, so okay. he was uh, uh, 11. If yeah. he's listening now, you know, yeah. happy days. Yeah. I, I, I hope your I hope nose is still broken, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was taking the piss out of me, and I told my dad, and yeah. my dad is like ex-army, army boxer, yeah. and he was like, right, I'm going to buy you a punch bag, we're going to get this sorted, yeah. like type of thing. So... We're at home punching, and he's like, if he ever takes the mick out of here, just, just whack him once yeah. on the nose. So we're down the field playing football. I like, he like slid me and was like, so, 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 so sorry. And I was like, What, he was taking the piss? He was taking the piss okay. from me. You were bang, good night. I, I was like, what are you saying? He came here and I punched him. <laughs> he started crying. His nose was bleeding. I was like, shit, what do I do? So I just ran home. <laughs> I was like, Dad, I did it. He was like, yes, good lad. Good you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, get stuck in. How... Is it how debilitating is it growing up knowing you've got a stamina? Yeah. Sorry, stamina. Stammer. <laughs> I don't have much stamina. No. <laughs> <laughs> is it yeah. like, what? Are, what are the effects of having a stammer? It's anxiety. It just it, it just creates it. I didn't know that's what it was back then. Yeah. But you know, in school when they're like, right, I'm going to pick someone to read something out. And you, yeah. Oh God! Don't oh, pick mate. me! Don't that, pick me! Don't oh, pick mate. me! Don't pick me! Please don't pick me! You know, everyone's going to stand up and they're going to present, and you're yeah. like, no, no, okay. and like the dread yeah. of it. Because it gets quite facial, you know, you start sticking your tongue out, spitting yeah. everywhere, and everyone's like, what the fuck is that? You know, like, it's minging. You know? I'd have said the same, you know. Yeah, what yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think when I started training, it was yeah. bad. It, it, it was really bad. And when when I'm you started training? For the Marines. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And when I'm nervous, it's worse. Okay. So, How are you feeling today before you got here? All right. Well, no shit myself, to be honest. Right, okay. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Right, but... I like this now. I like talking. Yeah. I'm, I'm over it. Yeah, you feel comfortable. I feel comfortable yeah. when you, you feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, mate, but it's more just the my my body's reaction to yeah. knowing I'm going to be talking. It just clenched. You know, so, for example, away. you came down here with the missus Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. What was your feeling like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, knowing you're coming here Monday morning? The weather's shitting, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fine until about an hour ago. Okay, and, and what feeling? What what feeling happens? It's tight chest. Yeah. Really tight chest. Really sweaty hands. Overplaying the worst outcome of everything okay. over and over and over, and when you actually sit and break it down, this is what uh, anxiety does. Because I've been diagnosed with it, right? I've done therapy on it, I've done tablets, yeah. all of that. Nothing works. You got to break it down. You yeah. have to say like, what is the worst outcome? Yeah. You stutter a bit, you laugh about it. Someone takes a piss out of you, sticks and stones. I'm yeah. Fucking thirty-one. I don't yeah, care. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. But every time that I speak now and I put myself out because. I do speaking now because it absolutely terrifies me. I like to do it because every time that I finish, I go fucking yeah. happy days. You yeah, know, that's good for you. Like that's that done, and I've not found that feeling doing anything else that I do yet. Mm. You know, because that for me is the most 
overcoming this fear that I've had my whole life, it's the only thing that I've been absolutely petrified of, yeah. is just talking. So the more that I do it, the better it gets. Yeah. When I started coaching people, I was messaging them, but I was asking them to uh, to voice note me. Yeah. And I was like, no, I, I need to voice note them back. Yeah. And I was like, but then I'm gonna look weak when I'm stuttering. And I said, no, I'm, if, if they're gonna do it, I'm, I'm gonna do it back. So I was voice noting them. And I spoke about it like getting the reps in, as in like going down uh, the gym to work on uh, to work on, on your legs, you would do yeah. squats. To work on my speech, I was doing voice notes every day, a hundred times. Brilliant. And that for me was like constant, constant, Brilliant. constant. Whereas I would, if anyone rang me, I would decline it and say the signal's bad. I've done that for years. Is that right? I just text. I've got, I've got the fastest fingers in the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, I would always do it and I would just avoid phone calls, um, avoid anything, uh, avoid using radios because I just didn't want to do it. I just point blank didn't want to do it. If there was, if I got pinged to give a lecture, I would find a way out of it. Yeah. No matter what, I would be having to do something else there. Yeah. No one would have known that I was trying to get out of it, but I would find a way every time because I was just didn't want to do it, you know? But now I seek to go and do it yeah. because it gives me comfort. It, 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 and confidence. Massively, yeah. mate, yeah. And more so that little nervous, little chubby kid. Yeah. I'm still a bit chubby now, but, <laughs> you know. You look pretty ripped to me. Uh, winter's coming up, some years coming up, you know. But um, wouldn't have believed you could go and do that. So I think I owe it to that little kid to go and sort of do it. And do like, you remember his out. name? Yeah, well, Mumbles. <laughs> what was his name? My, me. <laughs> no, what was his name? Was his name Mumbles? No, no, I'm the little kid. <laughs> yeah, who, who was the kid you clumped? At? Oh, right. No, no, no I, I, I don't remember his name. I, I'm not going to give airtime. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? But I mean, I, I owe it to myself from like back then, that kid who was scared to talk. So yeah. I do these things now. Good for you, man. Why not? And so anyone listening out there who has a stammer, what would you, what's your advice to them? Don't be a recluse. That's okay. every person that I generally meet. Yeah that has one is shy and in there uh, hiding away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they don't, they avoid it, avoid it as I did. And if I'd have, if I'd have kept on doing that, I would be the exact same as they are now. Just face it head on and laugh about it. Cheerfulness in the face of adversity. Yeah. It's one of the, the uh, 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 four pillars of, of the commando spirit. And if you can laugh about it, no one can hurt you because so what? Like, but just put yourself out there, try and start voice noting people. Yeah. Just try with your friends and uh, and family that are really close to you and say, I need to start doing this. Yeah. It might take a fucking while. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But just voice note everyone. How has your stammer improved from the age of, say, 10 to 31 today? Like, is there a period when you've got, st- is, is it stammer lessons or someone helping you to trigger certain things, to calm down, to slow down and then speak? How's it? How's that? I got taken to speech therapy yeah. by my dad when I was when I was younger, probably because he just felt sorry for me, you mm. know, like, but this woman who was like, all right, calm down, calm down. I was like, you've never had a stammer. You, yeah. you know, I was like, nah, this isn't for me. So I had I had one lesson and just sort of fucked it off. And I was like, I'm just going to crack on myself because this isn't helping me. How old? I, I, I would have I been 11, 12, something okay. like that, I think. And it just wasn't doing anything for me. Um, I never got bullied really, really badly, you know, because I think I stuck up for myself and yeah. then, you know, no one was bothered then. Yeah. But, it, it it got worse. It got worse and worse and worse. Uh, and then I'd honestly say in the last year and a half since I've been coaching people, speaking constantly, that's when it's got better. Because until that point, I hid from it and I wouldn't talk, wouldn't answer the phone. I, I, I was still confident with friends, you know, yeah. like they would know. 
and my friends have always took the piss out of it for me, so that's helped. Was know? it was it harder for you to be around new people if you're going to the pub or in a restaurant that they're thinking the words aren't coming out? Uh, uh, chatting up birds is pretty much fucking <laughs> no go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> my wife must have felt oh, sorry yeah. for me, you know. Fair play to your wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, imagine that for your first time. You're like, oh, and they're like, fucking hell, what's he on? You know, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with that. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. Oh, Everyone, language, every, it, it was like, my mate's eat up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What is he got? What's that? Yeah, so, yeah, it's well, hard. It's yeah. hard because. How would you chat a bird up? <laughs> be great difficulty. <laughs> I don't know. A little bit more boost. Before, yeah. it? When I'm drunk, I'm, you know, a, a little bit more confident with yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I suppose. But. Yeah, just with sort of great difficulty. Wow, you, you forget embarrassment. To, you forget to th- all the different sort of scenarios you could be in. Yeah, wow. and you know everyone just goes on Tinder, don't they, and just yeah. like someone and 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 just meet up with them. But that to me would have created this fear of I've got to speak to her for the first time, not like this, oh. and she's going to be like, you know, what the fuck's doing? <laughs> you know, so it's got to be someone. My wife now, <laughs> yeah. uh, a very good sense of humour. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Quality. Uh, mate, fair it. play, mate. Absolute yeah. fair play. Brilliant. Well, you you now, so you you passed that. When was the first time you went on tour and where were you? So I passed training. I put in to go to 4-5 Commando as my first choice, which is based up in sunny Arbroath in Scotland. Uh, Bloody hell. Why, why, why did you choose Scotland? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I, I mean, a lot I of bad decisions. You know, I don't know. I, I, listen, I love Scotland. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. it's a long way to go up. So my... My corporal, who sort of took me through training, yep. I really looked up to him. He, he he was brilliant, and he really helped me when I was struggling. He he helped me through um, certain parts because I was young, and I think he, he just saw something in me. And he he was at four or five, and I was like, I, I want to go there. He he told stories of it, and I was yeah, uh, 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 that's where I want to go. Most of of the northerners go there, yeah, because it's northern and grey and cold yeah. and most of the southerners go to Plymouth yeah. where it's nice because they're a yeah. bit more switched on I don't know what it yeah. is but you know <laughs> um, I went there and I went on Herrick 14 to Afghanistan uh, March 2000 well February 2011 yeah. um, deployed to the Nadiali Green Zone um, in Helmand and was on the front line when I was 18 on the front line at 18 years old yeah that's, that's, that's when you think about it. You're not even a man. People aren't even men really at 18. That's I still didn't need to shave. No, no. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's crazy really when you come to think of it, isn't it? On the front line at the age of 18. Yeah. After training 32, it's going, right, you're going straight into war. But I like that about uh, about the military is yeah. they don't change the standards for anyone. Yeah. It's not like, oh, he's he he's a little bit young. Uh, I sort of go easy on him. It's, mate, why aren't you Get stuck it? in, you know? yeah. It's your problem. Look, you chose I, to be yeah, you know yeah I, mean? I totally get it. But yeah. when you actually think of it, an 18-year-old now, you see an 18-year-old who come and works here at Bournemouth Sevens or whatever you think, the comparison between an 18-year-old lad there coming to work here and yourself going into straight into Afghan. I was going to the gym then and I actually thought, I'm, I'm pretty big here. Yeah. When I look back at pictures, yeah. I'm, yeah. A, I'm a boy, like yeah. literally, yeah. a child. Yeah. So what was that feeling like when they said, right, you're going to go to Afghanistan? How did you feel at that moment? I really think that, and I'm not saying this trying to be big-headed yeah. or, or anything like that, but I think civilians think that we have this f- feeling of, oh my God, but, well, me personally anyway, you've trained knowing you are going to go there. It's not a shock. It's not like one day they go, oh my God, you are going. Yeah. You know, and you've signed up because you want to go. Yeah. You've trained, and the longest, hardest training there is, you've then built up to it, your troop, your team, you live together. You're close, and then you're actually going to do what you wanted to go and do. Um, 
So you're like, all right, it's happening. Yeah. Fucking game on. You, you, yeah. know, you know, you're 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 keen to go. Prior to going, you have your uh, death photo done, which is like a photo like that by the company flag. So if you die, that's what they use for the for the newspaper. Is that right? Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> Here's your death photo, quickly. After writing quickly. your will. Yeah. So I'm like, right, mum, dad, sister, sister, dog. Is blah, that what blah. they do? Is that what they yeah, do? They yeah. go to write a will yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you get to do a death photo straight away? I, I think pretty much <laughs> like that. It's all like double header, you yeah. know what I mean? And then, Welcome. And then you do it in fizz afterwards. You're like, ah. Oh, yeah. So I'm... I'm I'm stuck there like that. Yeah. I'm eight to be behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that. So it's always that sort of cheerfulness, having a laugh when times would be a bit different for other people. Yeah. Um, on the plane going there, you know, the uh, it gets to a point where they have to turn the lights off because you are like flying over and, you know, that could be the time where you're going to get shot down, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And as as the lights go off, you think, oh, this is going to be really, really spooky, you know. And, and the lights go off and everyone's, woo! <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just the lads, isn't it? Yeah. There's no point throughout that when I felt any sort of anxiety, worry. Yeah. I was more worried about having to speak down the radio than yeah. I was going to Afghan, you yeah. know, seriously, because you're trained for it and you want to go, like, at the end of the day. I suppose it's like before a big rugby match. Yeah. It's the same fear, but you want to go and play. So. Yeah, 100%. It seems like it's the closest thing to a rugby camaraderie. It, it, yeah, it is. Like yeah. what you're explaining, it's like all the rugby boys sticking together and you know, grafting for each other and what got each other's backs. Seems I like the closest thing. It is, right? mate. All the piss take, everything else that goes with it. And yeah. What a weird drinking games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Weird drinking games, yeah. But I think this is where, because I heard a lot of people leave and they were like, oh, I've really struggled since then. And I, I, I never got it. But I think I've always had my rugby club and I've, I, I've been there since I was eight. Yeah. And my friends, all my friends that I've grown up with since I was eight are all back at home. And I've always come home and had more friends there, you know, just yeah. like loads and loads of, support network down at, at the rugby club but some people don't have that yeah. and you think wow like you, you know their life is on camp yeah so when they leave they are separated from that yeah which is why i think having us having support back at home is great because you've still got that sort of mm. like-minded lad support mm. network and people to put their arm around yeah you. agree yeah. totally agree fair play what's so how long was that tour for six months six months and when was the moment on that tour when things changed for you um the very first week well, you, you land at uh, uh, Camp Bastion and you do like a, a little two-week acclimatisation, uh, like training, um, uh, uh, zeroing your uh, your weapons and all of that, and then you've flown out. Yeah. We did. And uh, our patrol base was the size of football pitch or sandbags, sort of barbed wire, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you don't have anything. You don't have like, um, I don't know, just normal comforts, yeah. you know. Yeah. the. The water's hot that you have to drink and everything like that. You yeah. don't shower. It, it, it's just back to basics. No phones, nothing. Yeah. You're just back to square one. So it's, it wasn't a culture shock back then because we weren't as glued to our phones. Yeah. But now you'd be like, my neck. You know? yeah. Yeah. How am I going to post selfies now? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, we did a couple of little small patrols just around the area. And then within a week, we did a f our first company operation. So our troop went out doing small patrols. But our company which is all of the troops mm. did one big like joint patrol. So they patrolled around here, we patrol. And that was always at like full sort of strength, vehicles, helicopters, blah, blah, blah. As a show of force, we're here now. This is what we've got yeah. type sketch. And we'd been out for hours, eight hours, something like that. And the temperatures got to like 53 degrees there, top. Jesus. So you have to try and stay switched on at the same time, okay. which is the hardest part, I think. The kit's heavy. Yeah. It's hot, 
but like lads can just get through that. Lads and girls, but you, yeah. uh, 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 I mean soldiers uh, can just get through that, yeah. right? But it's the same switched on. That's what's hard because you have to be like constantly focused. You can't just head down yeah. and yawn. You have to be switched on. So we've been out for hours. We went firm next to this compound wall, this muddy wall. Mm. I took a knee and the atmospherics did change. It went from being busy to a little bit quieter. You took a knee, what does that mean? I just get down to one knee okay, basically yeah, to rest, yeah. you know, to rest at yeah. like scan arcs and was sort of like knelt down waiting. And the point man of our patrol said someone's poked their head out and he was going to follow him up. And what we get told is don't do that because they poke the head out expecting you to follow them up and then lay a tripwire, you oh. run in, boof, right? So he went to follow him and then boof, one big, one big bang, not like a boof, 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 like the films, it's just a thump. And I was like, that's him, you know, and, and what's happened? And I felt dizzy. Yeah. I've looked down and my rifle's gone, my my sharpshooter, and that's the, th uh, the first thing, where is it, where is it, where is it? Yeah. And I'm like, my trousers are all shredded and I've got blood coming down my legs. I've got blood on my face, blood on my neck, blood on my arm. And I'm like, oh, it's me. <laughs> you yeah. know, what's, how, how's that happened? Because the IED should be there. Yeah. Well, there, uh, there was no IED. They basically, they use something called murder holes on the wall. So they drill a small hole, only that big, and they spy through it. And when they see a Union Jack or like camouflage, they know we're there. And without having to look, they can uh, sort of pull the pin and just drop it over the wall. And it just rolls next to your feet. And these these frag grenades have have a, uh, a kill radius of like five five to ten meters, and I got told because I didn't see it. This was about two meters away, but the track we were on was really hard, and it rolled off the hard track next to my feet and into the soft mud next to us, and that took most of of the bang. But the medic said if it had stayed on the hard track, that would have been a, a lot of us done, you yeah. know. So we were very lucky. But I've looked down. I'm bleeding. And lads start coming over, trying to put sort of field dressings on me. It's not serious like limb loss. It's just yeah. superficial frag. Yeah. I've got a bit sticking in my shin bone. So they've come over, putting everything on, doing what we're like trained to do. Yeah. One of my mates looking at me, don't panic, don't panic. And I'm like, I was trying not to. Yeah. You know, I was really trying not to, but now I am. <laughs> yeah. So I'm getting bandaged up and we need to get out of there because we're vulnerable now. Yeah. Um. So I'm up, I'm like carrying my kit and I'm moving over the sort of open ground to get back to the main road where the Sergeant Major can pick us up on his quad bike. And we're, we're moving back and we get to a wadi, which is like a stream. But streams in England, like kids playing, blah, blah, blah. They use them as like toilets there. So the medic said, you can't land in it with that leg yeah. because you'll get sexist. Yeah. And then you are done, yeah. you know. Yeah. Make sure you jump over it. Don't land on your bad leg. Hmm. Don't land on your bad leg. Mm. Land on your bad leg. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Ran, jumped, landed on it <laughs> all mm. of my weight. And this bit stuck in my shin bone. I felt it go into my shin bone, like in. And it was just like a, a white hot needle yeah. into your bone. And it created like a, a dead leg, but a dead bone feeling. Mm. And my leg just sort of like crumbled uh, uh, beneath me. No strength there. And it was like pain, not like yelping pain, but like I'm going to pass out pain, you know. Up, cracked on. Still Kazivakin. We get to the main road. Sergeant Major's there on his quad bike with like a little like metal bin. <laughs> Throw him in. I look to the rear, you look to the front and like drive back to our little patrol base. So we're heading back. Um, and when we get back there, 
we've like calmed down, slowed down, and the pain, pain's setting in now because the shock's worn off, and I'm like, all right, I'm I'm actually in in quite a bit of pain here, and we're waiting to be picked up. You have these like helicopter medical rescue teams, and they kept getting delayed, kept getting delayed, kept getting delayed by an hour, two hours, an hour, and I'm like, what's going on? And back then, it's easy to be like, God, where are they? You know. Yeah. But if they aren't there, it's because there's someone worse than you. Mm. And that's why they aren't. And you don't think that then. But you know, afterwards, I got picked up on this American Black Hawk helicopter. I got sort of carried on on a stretcher and strapped in and looked up to the ceiling and it's just blood all over the ceiling, blood. Must have been the, the last person. And then you think like, I've been moaning. This isn't here yet, yeah. right? So. But prior to getting lifted on, I'm in pain. And Sergeant Major's like, do you want some morphine? And everyone carries two of these morphine pens. And I was like, yeah, go on. I've, I've always wondered what that does, you know? And he sort of gets it out, this life-saving bit of kit we have, you know, stuck it on me and it fell apart and crumbled to bits and just broke. So I was like, all right, next one. Tried that and that went in. I felt that go in. But I didn't want to play up to it. I was like, I, I, I don't want to be like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I said, I'm just going to look at you straight. And I'm just going to wait until something happens. I'm like, oh God, here it is. And I've, I started slurring, started talking crap. I, I don't remember much then, but I was told that I tried to chat the Sergeant Major up and called him handsome, the most senior rank we had there and everything like that. So I made a, uh, a bit of a tear on myself <laughs> at that point. And then where'd you get taken to? I got flown to a American hospital, not far from Camp Bastion, I don't think. So like still out there on the, on the flight. The, uh, the medic was trying to put a line in me and obviously like the helicopter's taking off like that. He's popped my vein, blood going everywhere. I'm trying to hold that on. You know, he's trying to put a needle in like this and it was a bit of chaos. Um, we managed to get back and went, went to hospital. I got scanned, full, full sort of body scan and American doctor comes out to speak to me and, uh, Mr. Coleman, I got some good news and I got some bad news. I'm like, all right, sweet. And he's like, uh, uh, the good news is uh, you're going to walk. Uh, your legs are fine, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the bad news is there's a piece of frag in one of your testicles and we're going to cut it off. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> I, said, I was like, anywhere but my plans. I was like, not today, you're not. Like, not today. I'm 18. I'm not ready to be a cyclops. Like, come on, don't do it. Don't do it. And I'm like, it feels okay. Yeah. He's like, look, and he 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 showed it me, yeah. and and there was, and I was like, I don't feel it. He said, look, there's loads of things we 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 can do. We can put a fake one in. We can do this and that. I'm like, no, nah, honestly, I'm not just being a scaredy cat, but I don't think there's anything yeah. there. So he had every what what felt like every female nurse come in to check it. So I'm just mortified by this point. And I'm just starting to look less cool and less cool. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Every, every set of cold hands that came in. And I'm like, come on, man. Cough, cough, cough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're all shaking their head going like, yeah. oh, you know, that doesn't look like there's much there. But there, uh, yeah. uh, there actually isn't much, much frag. So you went, were you scanned wearing your, uh, wearing your blast pants? And you have these like protective nappies and these undershorts. Mm. And I said, yeah. And he was like, oh God. Right, take them off, scan you again, nothing there. And I'd never worn these pants until this day because they're really thick, really hot, and it's so hot there, you get really sweaty. Yeah. I'd never worn them. And one of the lads on on that morning, as true as I sit here now, said, mate, 
you're taking the piss not wearing them, you know. Mm. You should be wearing them. And I was like, all right, I'll wear them this one time. And it saved my ball. Then pants saved it. Wow. So um, my ball was okay, but I needed some more uh, operations around my body. So I got taken to theatre. I think I had three ops, and then they kept opening up again and like getting dirty. So I had like five total. Um, I was in, I was in Bastion Hospital for a month. I was doing rehab and everything like that. But the hospital was a strange place in itself. The the doctors and everyone there are just incredible, amazing. You all, hear, these are all British doctors. Yeah. Wow. Um, and you hear that like a category a category one. Uh, her casualties coming in so seriously bad seriously bad and you watch them all turn up ACDC come on let's go yeah. and they're all getting signed like I could not do your job yeah. absolutely no way and you just think what amazing special people it, and these people don't get recognition they should they need recognition <laughs> they should I would like to get someone out there if you're listening out there and you have been a doctor at war in Afghan or Iraq or did that, I would love to invite you on the show Yeah, because none of them get recognition the stuff that they do for the soldiers our soldiers is, is off the charts and they just went to town as if it was like a, a sort of us going out to a match they were yeah. just like uh, zoned in like, like it, it was nothing but I got put in this in this room and uh, there was uh, a sort of Taliban bloke there because he had armed armed guards around him. And over the sort of tannoy, they would call up, up minimize, which means someone's been seriously injured. All phones, as in like the sort of welfare phones and the internet are being turned off until the, the uh, uh, military have spoke to the parents first. Okay. So no one else can put it on Facebook and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And these blokes know what it means spits his like tablets out stands up celebrating dancing and everything like that and flipping his stuff and spitting at well, nurses, the Taliban spitting at nurses and everything and I was like you need to move me rooms all right I, you know I can't sit like that and you don't have to do anything yeah you've got to sit there you've got to we have to treat them and he's celebrating because one of our oh, lads, one of our lads has been seriously injured and um one of the days the room had like quietened down. I thought, right, I'm going to get some sleep here finally. And this scream, this ungodly, unnatural like scream coming in. And this little girl, she must have been like nine, gets wheeled in into the bed opposite me. And she looked like him off Batman with half of the face. So half her face melted off, eyeball dangling down by a bit, by the mm. sort of thing there. And someone had thrown a uh, uh, a foss grenade into her compound, killed the whole family, and it had melted her face, melted all up, all of her body. She was just in the bed opposite me, screaming, screaming, screaming. She was there for days. It was horrendous. And I said, like, I've got a lot of sympathy for her, yeah. and I did. You need to move me. I can't listen to yeah. that, you know, all night and all day. And I said, I need to move. Like, it's just, it's horrible, mm. you know. Um, and that's a little girl, you know. And so I was, I was moved rooms then. I trained back for up, for the full month. I managed, I managed to get back out there, uh, 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 back to my team, and 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 sort of back out. But I didn't want to tell my family. But they make you tell your family when uh, when you get injured. But I thought if I ring them, they're going to be like, "Oh, great, uh, that must mean that you're coming home." And mm. I was like, "Well, no, I've chose to stay. Mm. They offer you to go home." But you've only just sort of been there. Yeah, right. You're with your mates. Yeah, yeah of course. And yeah. you want to get back out. Yeah. So 
had to tell my my mum she was upset. My dad was like, "Oh, that's my boy," you know, yeah. <laughs> as they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I got back out. I was there for sort of three more months, and then you get your like two weeks leave to go home, um, where you're told you mustn't leave the country and everything like that, and you're going home to see your like family. It 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 just so happened all of my friends were on a lads' holiday to uh, uh, to Falaraki, so I, I booked straight on, didn't mm. say anything, and just straight out on the lash for ten days. Mm. Then back, flown back out to Afghan. Um, and my wounds were still coming open a bit, a little bit, not a lot, sort of type of thing. And I'd been there about a month and they were opening and they were starting going weird and they were starting smelling and everything like that. It's hard to keep clean out there. Marines are obsessed with keeping clean. Yeah. But the last base where I was, we were on like water rations. So you had 10 liters per day. Um, but that's for sort of drinking, brushing your teeth, washing with, and it's not a lot when you actually think about how much you need to drink when you're out there anyway. Yeah. So it's hard to keep really clean. We couldn't wash clothes, you know, it was just the way it was. And I was having a lot of pain on my tailbone at, at like night. We had to go on, on, on watch for like four hours and you couldn't stand up. You had to be crouched down and I couldn't sit and the pain, it was unbearable and I was like, there's something there, and I was touching it, and I'm like, oh, it doesn't feel good, that. I really don't feel good. But I can't see. I don't want to show anyone, because mm. I don't want it to be... Weakness. Or a reason to get sent, you sent know. home again, yeah. So I told my troop sergeant about it then, and he was like, as I thought, I know people like you, you want to get out of here, mm. blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I said, <laughs> I said no, I, I don't, or I want to come back. Mm. <laughs> but... I can't sleep, I'm in pain, I'm crying at night, I'm in that much pain, it's horrendous. He told me to show the medic, uh, 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 Kate Nesbitt, she took uh, uh, she took one look and said, you are going home today. So helicopter flown in, I got taken back to hospital and I had uh, Afghan flesh-eating disease. An Afghan Fle flesh-eating disease? Yeah. Jesus, go on. It basically rots your, rots your body from the inside out um, and creates holes and rots it from outside to, to the surface, from inside to the surface. And they said it's it's like a one in whatever crazy number chance. And it's very, well, it, it it's not very common, but it's only really known in very old people in Afghan. Um, but they think I could have picked it up at the hospital, mm. you know, mixing round people. And it essentially, if that's your like skin layer, it forms a hole like that all the way to the top. Mm. So on my... On my, on my back, she looked and you can see my tailbone, wow. hole the whole way. Mm. You can see you, you can you can see the bone, and I, I was getting more of these lumps, painful lumps all over me. So they've sort of sent me back to the UK, done this like tropical cleaning thing, because he said if you get one to your chest, that's Take going away. to your yeah. lung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, 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 I had that to deal with. Trying to explain that to like doctors back in England, they all thought that. I'd pick something up in Falaraki or somewhere. I was like, no, 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 like, honestly, oh, oh, it's gone. So, had that. I was downgraded for a bit because I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Um, and then I got back to the UK. And what? It's no one's fault. This like procedure because on the way home from 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 your tour, everyone goes to Cyprus mm. and does decompression. Yeah. The mental decompression, it's basically everyone gets spoken to, a mental health person, and you have a week to sort of drink mm. and 
decompress with your, with your mates. Mm. But if you've been injured, you get flown past it, you go straight home. Because if you've been injured, you can't go to fucking yeah. Ayanapa for a week, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you are going home. Yeah. Like. So I missed that. I got back to camp to see uh, 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 to see the doctor once I'd been sort of healed, kind of. Mm. I got there on a Thursday. I went to the sick bay. Oh, we're on a long weekend. He, he isn't here till uh, till Tuesday. I was like, I'm not waiting till Tuesday. I'll just go home and, and, and see someone. So I went home and just stayed off. Mm. I was going to a doctor back at home. And every day they were like repacking these holes on like gas and air. Horrendous. Because <laughs> like, it has, awful, has to heal yeah. from that way. Yeah, you can't yeah. stitch it because yeah. it's like an air pocket. Yeah. Um, so I was having that done. But then I've gone from being out there, being on it type thing, to being back at home drinking and going out. And I still hadn't tuned down or anything. All my friends said it. And I was just angry, you know, just wanted to go out and have a scrap, yeah. essentially. Drinking, partying, doing whatever to mass. Not to mass, to fuel it, I think. Yeah. It was It was like, I said like, you know, because you've been sent home early and our tour was, I won't even say it we didn't have a very punchy tour like other people yeah. have, have 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 had our tour then the idea was to go and win heart, hearts and minds we weren't there to go scrapping daily yeah. but we joined i joined at the earliest stage that i could like you know there's no you go out to do what you're set what you're set to do but you feel frustrated that you haven't got to do how you imagined it yeah you know and it's like i said it's almost like a boxer that's trained on a camp for like 24 weeks, you know. And doesn't like, get to fight. The, yeah. And then gets blindsided yeah, yeah, walking yeah. to the ring, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and it's frustrating and you're full of anger. You're all sort of like that and tense. And I was going out and just drinking and just getting in fights. I, I, I was going out looking to fight people yeah. basically, which isn't the right thing to do. And I was getting myself in a bit of trouble and stuff like that. What sort of trouble are you getting in with the police? Police. Yeah. Um, running away from the police, getting arrested, trying to, Trying to get myself out of a police van, mm. smashing my head on the police door, mm. on the on the van. Um, I hurt someone bad on 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 a night out. Um, he'd spilt something on me or something, and I, I I got thrown out to fight him and picked him up and turned him on his head mm. and was hitting him. And I was like, "That's bad," but I was losing my mind. I was completely blind to anything apart from like it just clicked and that was it and my anger took over and i didn't know what i was doing i was in autopilot complete and i was like i've completely lost all control here i've got no say in what i'm doing at all and going out drinking is making it worse but i was 19 by this point not in a position that i was willing to talk about it come to terms with it or stop drinking so i was, I was just going out doing it constantly mm. uh <clears throat> were you were your friends describe you as loose at the time, yeah, 100%. I was, but at that age, and when you're laughing it off, yeah. everyone's laughing it off. Yeah. And I, and back then there wasn't the awareness about mental health that there is now. Mm. So I really don't think people would have known the signs then. They would have been like, God, he is a bit nuts like, yeah. but maybe that's what he's like, yeah. you know? And I was cracking on doing that for a long time. How long? Probably a year, years, I'd yeah, say, okay. a few years. And then... I got back to work and it all just slowed down. Everything, I went from being really busy, really busy, really busy to just stopped. And as I stopped, everything's coming on me. So all these feelings, I don't know, I've had my first ever 
bad panic attack. I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I'm going to die. I literally felt like it. And crying, sobbing, my company 2IC found me and took me to like a sick bay, took me to the doctor, threw me in. And the doctor sort, sort, sort of sat me down and he was really good. And he said like, you know, there's no judgment here. Just tell me exactly everything. And I told him and he said like, you have severe anxiety. You have a, 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 a depression and PTSD. And then it wasn't a thing. It wasn't that known back then. And what year are we talking now, roughly? 2011 or 12 one of them too. Mm. And I genuinely thought when he said it, I actually fully believe this, that I would have been the only person on that camp being told that. Mm. There's all these people who've done three tours of Afghan, bad tours and got these horrific stories and people dying around them, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I haven't done those ones. So yeah. I don't deserve to feel like it because they don't feel like that. Yeah. They're walking around camp fine. Yeah. And but, I, but you don't know. I said that to him and mm. he said, you don't know how many people I speak to. Yeah, I, said, I, I speak to so many and I, honestly thought he was lying to me. I was yeah. like, no, no, you don't. He said, I promise you, I promise you, a lot of people. And it was like the weight of the world had come off my shoulders. Yeah. Because I, what a lot of people do that are struggling is they invent something in their mind. I'm I'm the only person, everyone will laugh at me. I don't, I don't, I, 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 I don't deserve to feel like this. People will think that I'm faking it, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And you build this monster, this horrible scenario and it's not real. It, mm. You've you've like made it up, and you get scared of something that isn't real. Yeah. And until he said that, I had the world. I mean, I didn't want to tell anyone anything, and it made it easier. He put me on antidepressants. They made me feel like shit, and yeah, I threw them away. Yeah. Right. So, and then I wasn't ready to sort of accept what he'd said, and it was more so I wasn't mentally mature enough to even know what it was. I thought depression back then was a bloke who would sit at home and just cry. Yeah. And just crying, I was like, I go out drinking and partying every weekend, all the time. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm the life of soul when I, when I can speak. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, Spit yeah, it out. Yeah, fucking <laughs> um, but I'm not, I'm not that. Yeah. So that, that isn't me. That doesn't fit into me. And you know, that, that doesn't make sense. So yeah. that can't be what I am. And I went back out doing the same for ages, to be honest. Mm. Um, just, on, just on that note, anyone listening out there, who's got depression or thinking suicidal thoughts or got burnout, there's an amazing website called Jack, J-A-A-Q.org, justaskaquestion.org. Go and check it out. It's amazing. It's all video-led. It's got the best people on there. You can ask them any questions on there. Jack.org. I'll have a look at that. Yeah. It's powerful. Really? It's super powerful. It's the best. Thing. It's going to be. I think this is going to be a unicorn business. It's going to. Really? Yeah, mate. It's really, really powerful because you, if you've got depression or you're not feeling good or you got burnout or you're stressed or, what do you do? You type it into Google and you've got 300 pages of black and white writing. They're all different views and different. This, this is like a. Have you ever heard of masterclass? Yeah. Yeah. This is like a masterclass. Okay. Yeah. For pre-recorded. Pre-recorded. You type in your question. It pops up and someone speaks for 60 seconds on the subject you want to talk about. And then there's 10 subs subjects underneath that to do with depression to do with suicide men's taking their own lives and why and why you shouldn't it is the most powerful game-changing website app whatever you want to call it on the earth right now and if they get that right with the form of a lot of soldiers feel like i'm not going to go to a therapist because 
I can't relate to them. They can't relate or to me. Or it shows weakness. Yeah, yeah. If they get blokes on there, or, or, or girls who people go, I can relate to them, actually. Agree. They were a soldier. They were this and Agree. that. I, wow, right. He's speaking my language. Agreed. It's not a random person. Yeah, you're not sitting there with some bloke in a suit with a clipboard going, yeah. oh, ask you a question. Yeah, you've got depression. Yeah, you've got PTSD. And so what they want. It's like going to a doctor these days. Like, Jesus Christ, what doctors know about half of the stuff we, we're going to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think there is more of that coming happening now. Yeah. A lot of more awareness coming and a lot more people speaking out. I found that I'd bottled it up for ages, for years. After, after that too, I hadn't spoken to anyone, hadn't spoken to friends, really good friends who I have spoken to since. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. But at, at, at that age, you're not ready. You know, you're ready when you're ready. Mm. And then I was telling people, random people, to be honest, in terms of my like friend list right down there, you know, yeah. because maybe I felt no judgment or no, yeah. I don't know why, you yeah. know, but I would tell them and they'd be like, mate, I felt like that. Yeah. I've, every single person said it. And I was like, God, why have I? Why have I held this in? Mm. Like, if I had spoke to people years ago and I've got all that pain, all that mm. time for no reason, why have I held it in? And then what it is is blokes are taking their lives. This is serious. Anyone listening? This is serious. Blokes are taking their freaking lives. I've got four friends who have taken their lives. This is serious. The press don't talk about people taking their lives. There are friends all over. You're hearing a friend of a friend. Da, 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 da. I've got four friends who have taken their lives at my age. This is this is you know. This is why this website, Jack, is so important for everyone right now when the world we're living in. I've had quite a few friends that have, have done the same too, and all of them have been the life and soul of Agree. the party. Every single Agree. time. Yeah. They're the fun ones. They're the fun time, Frank. Putting going, the mask on. Putting the mask on. Most comedians, well, say most, is, I'm not going to say most, high level of comedians. Yeah. Anyone's on the front. Anyone is at Robin the party. Williams. Robin Williams. They, they, I, I could name quite a few. And they're the ones, and, and it's important to pick up the phone to your mate. It's easy to send a WhatsApp. How you doing, mate? Yeah, great, thanks. Do you know what I say to my pals? I'll pick up the phone. Hello, mate. Hey, are you happy? That's, like, that's powerful. Like, they go, fucking, what you want, what you want about Dodge? I'm just asking, are you happy? They have to stop and think. Yeah. And that moment is so powerful for a man to do that to another man or to do it to a friend, whether it's a woman or whatever. Are you happy? Because then they've got to stop. Once you've asked it the second time, they've got to stop and answer you. That's when you really find out. And that's what I do. I only can speak for myself here. Not many people answer that quickly. They won't. They'll think about it. They have to think about it. Are you happy? And um, I think a lot of a lot of people don't, that's the way of saying it, they don't actually know what that is. No. A lot of people don't know what happiness is. Huh. A lot of people don't know what a lifestyle business is. A lot of people don't plan their lives. They just live. Huh. But if you can reverse engineer stuff and go, and this is what I'm wanting in my life. This is where I want to be and where I go. You've got something to aim for. Yeah. You know, what is happiness? A million percent. A million, happiness to you is different. might be different happiness to me. Huh. Happiness to different people. But if you don't know what happiness is, it's hard to go and find it. Because what are you chasing? Yeah. If you don't know what it is, if Agreed. you don't know what, what it looks like. And I think there's a lot of, um, we've sort of digressed, but like a lot of um, anticlimaxes in achieving the things that you believe are our mm. happiness. Mm. You know, buying that, like whatever it is. Yeah. It's just a thing. Mate, people go and buy cars. I'm not into cars, not into watches, not into any of that, but it's just not my thing. Mm. My happiness is long lunches. Yeah. My happiness is being my boy and my wife and my family around me. And they're simple things to say, but actually they genuinely are. Having nice food on the table, waking up after a good kip, 
hitting the gym, eating well, yeah. making my body feel good. Because when I eat well, I train. And when I train, my mind feels good and I feel happy for the day. Yeah. There's such simple things, you know, but I think that the world we live in right now is all about social media, comparing yourself against other people all the time. Whoever you're out there, stop comparing yourself to other people. I think that's massive. It's huge. Yeah. It is huge. If you can stop comparing yourself to other people, just compare yourself to yourself. Are you improving? 1% every day, wicked, great. I do think you have to go through that phase sometimes of thinking you know what happiness is. Having these things, having that, and then realising that it's not, and yeah. then appreciating the simple things afterwards Agreed. that you'd neglected that whole time. Agree. I think that comes with age as well. Yeah, million percent. Yeah. yeah. If you go, if you go and buy, a, I've got pals who've got loads of motors, and they go and buy a motor. They're happy for the first two weeks. Then the happiness goes. So actually, they're buying happiness for a couple of weeks. And then the roof lights. But go the happiness starts from <laughs> inside, within. Yeah. You know. I think um, I ring my friends a lot, an awful lot, and Good. I find that when. If anyone listening, when I feel triggered, I have I have panic attacks a lot. I have anxiety that because I took antidepressants for years, not the first time, but over the past few years, I've stopped them now. What is what is? I keep hearing these antidepressant things. I, I guess they're tablets. Mm. If you've got what is what? Explain to me when you take it. How long does it take you, and what does it make you feel like? You just take like one a day, two a day, three a day. I was on I, I was on two a day. And essentially, you think that makes you feel numb. Okay. I was so agitated, so like this, so constantly in my thoughts, and it just blocked it all out. It just stopped it. So are you saying in your thoughts, are you overthinking? Every single detail that I really? do all day, analysing everything. That must do you swathing. But the thought of what I'm going to say, too, that that does it. And my mind now, if I, if I get to a word that I'm going to struggle on, I'll either go, um... So I can roll onto something because yeah. easy are easy to say. Yeah. But I'm thinking about what words that I'm going to say constantly, and it's constant thinking about it. But if I'm feeling, if I get triggered, if I feel that I'm gonna, I'm gonna start panicking. I ring someone and yeah. I start chatting to them about Good. the rugby, about something Good. that helps me, and it takes me out. It takes of it. your mind off it. And when I've hung up with them, I'm like, right, I'm done now. I'm alright. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel better. Yeah. It's a bit selfish, but yeah, yeah. it helps me, and I think it helps other, other people too that are listening. But I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot of young people. Who have done that? Um, have done what? Have taken their own lives. Yeah. There was a time in the military when it was honestly every few weeks on on Facebook, rest in peace, rest yeah. in peace. It was constant. Yeah. I heard something. I don't know whether the stats true, um, but it was something like more British soldiers have died in the UK now by suicide than they did in in Afghan or something yeah. like that. And yeah. I, I could probably I can believe, believe it. Yeah. It happens a a lot. Yeah. Um, Have you listened to the episode I had with Dave Radband? Yeah, that's a really, really, really good episode. Wow. Anyone out there, please go and have a listen to Dave Radband's episode. <laughs> I was blown away. I messaged him after that, actually. Did you? I said that was, honestly... He was so honest. I've got goosebumps now thinking yeah. about it. I've literally... Got, yeah. He is so honest. Yeah. And what he's gone through. With the kills he's done, with what he's what he put his family through, all the arrests. Because he... he it's hard to I don't want to explain it because I want to do it in justice whatever but just go and have you obviously had to listen to the episode but that's an unbelievably powerful episode it is but people deal with it in different ways when you got then you've got Phil Campion who deals with it through laughter yeah. and joking like the most severe craziness that he's been through the way he deals with it is turn it into a joke and into laughter it's completely different yeah and a lot of people deal with it in it, it, it in completely different ways I've always laughed it off and 
type of thing, sort of, uh, 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 sort of mask it. When I left the Marines, I moved to Australia and I met a friend there, Scott. And Scott was a, for, a former paratrooper like Dave. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Dave, I've actually spoke about him. And we became really good friends, and which is like rare for like Paris Marines. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of rivalry. And on a night out, we were speaking about, I've, uh, I've tried to kill myself before, and Scott had... You've tried to kill yourself? Yeah, I had, yeah, when I was younger. Uh, Where? When I was about 23 in Manchester. Um, Why? Everything just boiled over. I got to... Everything was just too much. Um, constant thought of everything racing around my mind, all of it constantly. I was just, I wasn't in a good place because I was just going out all the time and doing whatever. But I think it all just surmounted to that's it. I, I was, I, I was depressed then. I was really depressed then. I wasn't in a good spot. Took a lot of tablets. I was at a bridge in, it, 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 it in Manchester City Centre. A friend rang me at the time and I went to see him and that was it. And I didn't, but I was, I was there. I was, I was good to go. Hadn't planned it or anything. What, what was going through your head if you hadn't planned it? What was going I was walking you? home and I was off it. Mm. Were um, you just, were you using drink and drugs at this time? <laughs> I'm, a bit. Um, and did you think the combination of both didn't help the mind? No. Yeah. A million times no. Yeah. It makes it a million times worse. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. And a lot of suicide that I hear nowadays, I do think, is related to that. Mm. Um, yeah. And I was on the way home and got the balls to do it basically because I was not in the right mind. A friend rang me and was like, uh, where are you? Because I was supposed to be going back to his and it changed my mind. Mm. And I, I went to see him. We've, we spoke about it since. Um, and I sort of got over it then. I, I realized that I had a problem. I did a bit of therapy then, which didn't help me being honest, but it was enough to make me realize by like going to these therapy sessions yeah. was enough to make me go, right, all right, this is pretty serious. It allowed you to speak up, right? Yeah. yeah, and even if the therapy that I thought back then didn't help me, because I wasn't ready for it, yeah. you know, I wasn't in a place where I wanted to do it. Um, but it, actually doing it was enough for me to go, right, you need to sort yourself out here. Yeah. And I did, I, I grew up then, I moved over to Australia, um, where I was happy, genuinely happy. If anyone wants to be happy, move yeah, to Australia. You'll be happy pretty quick. Yeah, I'll tell you now. The beach, everything. It's not, that is a way of yeah. life. That, that and is. an English accent. Oh. Yeah, yeah, well, not me, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Any accent, you're not going to hear it. So, But my friend Scott, we both we both spoke about we'd had problems with our, yeah. our, our, our mental health. And we spoke about it and we both sort of shook hands. We're not going to tell anyone. Keep yeah. it between us. Um... If you ever feel like that, you ring me. If I ever feel like that, I'm going to ring you. Brilliant. And I had to leave Oz, me and my and my now wife. We travelled back through New Zealand. Um, I proposed to her there. I love New Zealand. Oh, it's so good. I did a rugby season. Did you? Yeah, yeah mate. Oh, mate. Loved I bet it. that hurt. Six months. Yeah. <laughs> that was class. Yeah, mate. Whereabouts were you? Uh, in Hamilton. Yeah, nice. Nice. Mm. Really good. Really good. Years ago. It's a lovely mm. place, mate. Lovely really people. Out. Yeah, so nice. People are amazing, yeah. They are. 
Do you met your wife in Oz? Yeah. Yeah. She's What's English. Her name? Uh, Sophie. Lovely. Yeah. Big, up, big up Sophie. Big up Sophie. Yeah. She went there looking for an Aussie. I went there looking for an Aussie and I got a Southerner. She got a stuttering Northerner. So <laughs> <laughs> proper downgrade. But we're happy. Good, 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 uh, good. We travelled back and I'd heard that Scott had broke up with his missus. Yeah. And I knew in the back of my mind it meant something not good because I knew where he'd been before. Yeah. I was worried enough. I wanted to say something, but I said I wasn't going to speak to anyone about it, to him. But I spoke to my mates and said, can I reach out to him? Should I? And, and they were like, no, 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 he's trying to block it out. Don't bring it up. Because you know we, he, he, he know what it's like. You broke up with someone mm. and everyone's messaging you. Mm. You're trying to forget about mm. it. And I didn't. And then a few weeks later, I woke up and I had like 17 missed calls or something from Oz. And I knew exactly what it was straight away. And he had taken his own life. Oh, mate. And... When I say the life and soul, I mean, of that rugby club, mate, he was the most popular bloke there. Yeah. Everyone knew him. Everyone loved him. He had time for everyone. Yeah. Everyone. And I felt horrendously guilty because I felt like I knew, I knew it. Yeah. I, I knew it. I knew that that could happen. I didn't do anything. I felt really guilty. I felt like I should have said something earlier. I've done therapy on it now. I know it's not true if someone makes the mind up, but that's yeah. it, right? But at the time, I felt really guilty. I was back in England and everyone was out there. So I felt helpless. I couldn't help. And when something bad happens, you want to help. You yeah. want to just be like, I'll uh, do everything. I, I, yeah. I'll do whatever, whatever it is. However, I can help. Just, just say yeah. the time difference. Can't speak to anyone. Mm. I'm trying to speak to mates back at home and say, can you come for a beer tonight? And I was explaining who this person was. Yeah. I'm like, this isn't doing it. Any, it's not helping me. Yeah. It's just making it worse because he was a legend, like yeah. as in the purest form of that word. Yeah. Like everyone would just say, no one would have anything less than 10 What's out of 10. Uh, Scott Sarson. No, no one would have anything less than that to say about him. Yeah. Like he was that sort of like, and trying to explain that to people who who, who don't know him. Yeah. And I went bad again. I went back to where I was. and What, I, what party in? Yeah. yeah. Um, drinking every night. Yeah. And I was driving around during the day and I was closing my eyes driving. I was, I, I was, I was putting my foot down. I was shouting and I'd stop and I wouldn't do it. I was crying, heading to work, crying, coming home, crying at home, drinking by myself at night, typing out. I had a, I haven't said this before. I downloaded this app and it was a vault of like a secret note that no one could answer. And I was typing things in it. Not a suicide note, but I was typing things. I was writing thoughts at the time. Like what? In it. Like what? Just, it wasn't like a good, it wasn't a suicide note, but it was along those lines. Just how I wasn't happy and how I felt bad and how I, and it was all coming back to my head. And I was just writing it out at night and when I was drinking, I've deleted it now. But yeah, I was filling it in. I don't know why. I don't know why. And, I got bad and I, I, was, I was I was just drinking and I was scrolling through Facebook one of these nights at about 2am or something. And I saw that three of his mates from home had said for, for a mental health charity, we're going to run a 43 mile ultra marathon for him in, in, in his name. I don't know what it was. Something took over and I was like, I'm in, it must've been the beer. Mm. Uh, woke up the next day and I was like, oh my God, what have I done? You know? 
and they all like messaged me, are you in? Are you in? And I was in a bad shape then. I was just drinking, you know, I, I wasn't good to go and run that. Mm, like yeah. in a Ultra few months. Marathon in, yeah, Jesus. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd never done one before either. Yeah. So I was like, no, I want to. That was like, it, it, it was the help that I needed to pull myself out of, of what I was doing. And I said, yeah. And I, I got speaking to them. These lads are absolutely top, top, top lads mm. to what they were doing for it and how much awareness they rose. Um, and I got training. I went out for a run. I ran about seven miles. I was chucking up, couldn't walk. I, I had to walk home. I was in pain and all that. I was like, this is bad news, this. You know, I've not got long here. And I've never been more compelled to go training for anything in yeah. my entire life. For your mate. I woke up at 3 a.m. and ran a 20 miler before work mm. and all that. And I would go to work normal, come home, chill. I'd run a couple of days after. I ran four, four marathons in a month off, off, off my own back. Not events. I yeah. didn't want to because there wasn't going to be anyone with me when I was running. Yeah. You, know, you know, I wanted to learn to do it by myself. Yeah. So I, I was running around the lanes. And I'll tell you a funny story. There was this gypsy caravan park near us, right? And this is sidetracking. <laughs> but this bastards right i just <laughs> ran this marathon training for this and i've been absolutely gunning it final bits this hill yeah i've ran up this hill rocky balboa come on come on come on <laughs> all these thoughts going around my head get to the top and it's pitch black and it's like uh, uh november freezing i'm just, oh god i've done it i've done it i'm trying to post my, yeah. my strava to show everyone <laughs> you know i've got a head torch on and this land rover defender comes screeching out pulls up to me almost runs me over he's like what are you doing what are you doing and i'm like what? And he went, you're tapping. So these gypsies had tapped into this electric box on this train bridge. And he's like, you're tampering with my electrics. I went, I've not, I've just run a marathon. I'm trying to say that to someone in November. He's like, fuck off, mate. He's like, we're, and we're going for a drive. And I'm like, we're not going anywhere, mate. I said, look, do you know what Strava is? He's like, what's Strava? And I'm like, of course you don't know what Strava is. I, I, I was like, how can I try and convince you yeah. what I've done here? And he was yeah. like, get in the car. I was like, I ain't getting yeah. fucking car mate I said I'm going home for a bath I said that I just walked past him like go away and he's like I'm, I'm really sorry mate just come here and talk I was like no I said like no, I'm, 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 I'm done with this this, this night it was a horrendous night of my life I almost shit myself running around this thing and now you're starting on now I'm like I'm done just, just leave me alone to go home so people like trained for this yeah. right and the idea is the final rugby game before Christmas for his old club was going to be the Scott Sarson Shield yep. between his 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 first club as as a kid and and the last club, Old Cooperians, mm. which is like around West Ham type of way. Mm. Um, we were going to run from Merville, West Ham, that sort of way. Yeah, London. What in East London? Yeah, okay. yeah. I don't know London, okay. so I probably said something wrong there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, no, no, yeah. no, no. I, just, yeah. I was yeah I was... around that sort of way. Yeah, it, it, um, and. We were going to run the match ball from Merville Barracks, where he did his 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 para training, yeah. to the match, throw it them, and 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 they'd kick off. Yeah. So I've, I've like trained for it, and a, a couple of days prior, I've done an ice bath, a spa thing, a cryo chamber. Mm. I am zen. Mm. I'm ready to go mm. now, right? I am good to go. And I've come out the spa about twenty phone calls, and I'm like, what now? <laughs> like, it's off. It's off. Mm. I said, what? Said, the final game before Christmas, everywhere has been cancelled. So I didn't want everyone to spread COVID mm. and ruin Christmas mm. because of rugby, which I, I do get to be fair. Yeah. It, it, it is a fair shout. Yeah. Like, and I was like, no. Mm. I said, like, I am running this run. I can't, I can't train anymore. Mm. I'm done. So me and the missus, uh, the next day, we're going to drive a, 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 a 43-mile route from my home 
around the lanes to my yeah. local pub. And I'm going to, as we drive, write this down, turn left, turn right, try and try and remember this route, finish at the pub, and I'll run it the next day. So we've done it, kind of turned the wrong way a few times and blah, blah, blah. So I've got all these mad notes. Um, and the next morning, set off pitch black. And my missus had got my mates to meet me at certain points mm. and to run with me and all of this. So I wanted to, to get it cracked because I just couldn't be arse training yeah. anymore. I wanted Christmas Fair off, play. right? So ran that, eight hours, 12. I think in total we raised over 20 grand for Rock to Recovery, um, which was great. Um, all all of those lads had... had 20, did you run You run for how many hours? Eight hours, 12, something eight like hours, that. Eight hours, non-stop. I stopped for a shit once. Really? <laughs> yeah, 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 but I, I had to stop. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, but apart from that, no. Wow. Like, cracked on. Um, and what are, you, what are you doing today, Dave? What's your world today? So after that... Mm. I had this like motivation and this realization of you can actually do a lot if, if you put your mind to mm. it and stay out the bars for two minutes. Mm. Um, so I decided to set up a company preparing people to join the Royal Marines mm. called Civi to Commando, which is like civilian to commando. Yeah. Um, created training programs to uh, prepare people, run military weekend camps, do corporate speaking, which is quite ironic, you might <laughs> think, but it's something else pushing me out, yeah. out of my comfort zone private corporate events um and, and we're looking to do more camps survival training bushcraft training really all brilliant. of those sort good for you man sort of things mate it's been brilliant you know good like for you it's been a really really good journey we built a really good team um made a lot of people happy too some yeah some some people have come on our our, our camps who've been in a, a bad place yeah they've they've been pushed but then realize what they can do when they're pushed yeah and they've gone and done something completely different with their lives. Out of the comfort zone again. 100%. Mate, I love being out of the comfort zone. Yeah, come on you, down. Like, I don't fancy <laughs> doing that, to be fair. <laughs> but I love being out of the comfort zone. For me, getting out of the comfort zone is creating a new business and not having a clue what you're doing the business and working it all out. And, you know, they say, what they say? Um, what's that word called? I can't remember the word that people use these days. Like when you're scared, to, when you're thinking about it. Fear of failure? No, like, that drives me on, to be fair. Yeah. Fear of failure. But you know when someone's thinking about it, and they're not going to go and do it. Procrastination. Procrastination. Yeah, like that shallow luck. Shallow I love just going straight in. Yeah. Don't think about it. Bam, let's go for it. You heard yeah. that uh, saying? Go on. That, um, years ago, there was this fleet which attacked, attacked this island and the captain made them burn the boats. Mm. So they had no chance of being able to go back to their boats because they'd, they'd basically burnt them yeah. and that's it. And that's like cutting off any chance that you can fail. Yeah. Just throwing yourself in, in the deep end, and that's it, go yeah. for it. And you have to succeed. Yeah. And I think that's quite a powerful thing with that. Really powerful. Dave, I've really enjoyed this episode, Thank mate. You, Dodge. Yeah, it's been Appreciate an absolute it, pleasure. Had a top time. Thank you for coming down. Thank you for your pure honesty, mate. I've just... Uh, I just uh, passed uh, it on to uh, me, uh, didn't you? It's contagious. <laughs> it's contagious. Yeah, it is, mate. It spreads. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your honesty, because stammer... It must be a really difficult thing, yeah. like, which we spoke about. For you to come on a podcast and speak up like this and just be you, massive respect. And you're saying it was only a year ago that you had the fear of doing anything like this. Yeah, 100%. And now you're coming onto a podcast and speaking up. Thank Love you. it, mate. Thank you, mate. Really Where can people that. find you, Dave? Um, on our website, Civi to Commando, number two, yep. Instagram, Facebook, all the normal stuff like that. Quality. Uh, flick us a message and I'll try and voice note you back. You're a gentleman, mate. <laughs>